have. So he ordered that they be baptised in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Thanks, thanks. Um, let me pray. Father, please would you help us this afternoon as we look at this story, this account, to understand it, to understand what it has to say, to understand this afternoon what you are saying to us. Amen. Amen. Well, we are in the middle of a series called Mission Unstoppable. And I wonder if you've thought about whether it really feels like Mission Unstoppable to you. Let me ask a question. When was, when was it that someone you know last became a Christian? Not someone that you heard about, not a friend of a friend, but someone that you know. I wonder how that question makes you feel, because immediately I'm sure there'll be feelings of guilt, pride, embarrassment, desperation, sadness, joy. Why is it that there aren't more people turning to Jesus? Who is it that really accepts this unstoppable message? It's not to induce guilt, asking that question to begin with. But they're questions, they're feelings that we're in danger of feeling as we read through the book of Acts. Because as we spent time in Acts, we've seen it's really exciting. Acts is where Christians are first called Christians where churches are first planted, where there's first real evangelistic moves made. Someone said to me the other day, they'd been reading through Acts in their quiet time at home, and they were just amazed when they read that thousands of people were being baptised. It is amazing, isn't it? But why is it that Acts seems so exciting? And we don't always seem to get that here in Bista. Depth of relationships, exciting things happening, going on within the church, massive church growth. Doesn't it just make us think, oh, I'd love to be in a church like that? Well, surely that's not what God intended for us to feel when we look at the book of Acts. But instead to be passionate about the God who is at work throughout the book of Acts and his good news and yet realistic about the task that we face now. So I want to suggest that what's in the limelight here is not the apostles, not in today's story, Peter. It's not them, but it's the message of the gospel. What is that gospel message? Remember back to Acts 2, the brilliant summary message? This Jesus... This Jesus, he kept saying, who died to take the punishment we deserve, who came back to life, proving victory over death, to secure eternal life for anyone who believes in him. This Jesus, for any person who makes him both Lord and Saviour. Acts is about the movement of that message. And here in Acts 10... What we're going to see is three things. First, God's message is not bound by geography. 
Acts, it, it tracks the movement of the message from the very beginning. Remember Acts 1 verse 8? You'll see it on the back of the cards that are on your chair. We've kept going back to it as a kind of summary verse that sets up what happens in the book of Acts. You will be my witnesses. Speaking about the Lord Jesus to where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Here's a little map for maybe some people that are a bit like me and find this difficult. Here's Jerusalem, right there, circled in red. In the region of Judea, circled in green. Samaria, that's the... Oh, dear. (laughs) I'm struggling there. We'll go back for a minute. Let me... uh... There we go. There's Samaria circled in blue, the region above, and the ends of the earth. Of course we know where that is. That is the movement track, the geographical movement of the gospel through the book of Acts. Now, the ends of the earth, obviously making it here today, and we, we join this passage this afternoon with that in mind, the movement of the message of the gospel geographically. And its spreading is pretty central to the message of the book of Acts. And straight away we get a bit of an update as to where we're up to. Look at verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius. Now here's Caesarea on a map. Oh no. Yeah. Do it with the laptop. There's Caesarea on a map. Excellent. Um, we'll get into the mechanics of what Caesarea is, what that means, but it's up there in Samaria, obviously, as you can see. But while verse 2 speaks about Cornelius, let's have a look, he's God-fearing, he hasn't yet received the message about Jesus. He hasn't yet received the gospel message, and that's crucial. But it's pretty clear where we're up to in the story. Have a look down at verse 3 that he's about to get this message. See what's going on? It's the tracking of the gospel message spreading from place to place. Verse 3, one day about three in the afternoon he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord, he asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner. See, on the map, Peter has made it to Joppa, up there in the northwest of Judea, on his way up, and Cornelius is in Caesarea, the next region over. Now, I just wonder, as a technique, as a tactic of Jesus to share this really important message, do you remember back to Acts 1 verse 8, he's addressing the apostles, saying to his twelve, you will be my witnesses, going out telling individuals. Do you think that's a, a good methodology of a way to share a message like that? Is it a decent strategy? Investing in 12 to invest in one by one? I wonder if you had a message to get out to the whole of Bista, what you'd do. My guess is maybe you might do something like this. Share it on a Facebook group. I've noticed a couple of times on Cooper's Green and uh, Glory Farm uh, some interesting 
messages that people are desperate to get out. Here's a recent one that I've seen. Hi. It's coming up on the screen. Hi. Has anyone lost a black and white cat? This cat has been hanging around Beverly Gardens for a couple of weeks now, meowing at all hours of the night and looks a bit rough. Not skinny, just a bit grubby. At first, I thought he was new to the close, but he's acting like a stray. Pretty sure he's an entire male. The noises he makes won't let me get close to him. Now, I, like you, laughed about the words entire male for quite a while, and then I I looked it up, and it turns out that's a pretty technical term that I didn't know of. Now, that is the technique of getting out a broadcast message to as many people as you can on a Facebook group. But when we look at Jesus' tactics to invest in 12 individuals, to tell people one by one, to travel and tell people, is that a good method? Has it worked? Well, as we look at today, Bista, thousands of years later, we can give thanks that this method has worked because someone told us this same message. It's amazing, isn't it? It's simple, but it's hugely down to the part of the message. The power is in the message. We're not talking about an entire male cat that we want to get out We're talking about the Lord Jesus, risen to life, that offers every single person eternal life. This message is not bound by geography. Here in Acts 10, it's crossing borders from Judea to Samaria, and it's made it to us. But it still needs to make it just that bit further to the people of our street, to the people in our children's schools, in our workplaces. That brings us to the end of verse 7. Let's get back to Cornelius and Peter. Secondly, we see this message is not bound by race. Now, Caesarea is a largely Gentile area. And Cornelius, by status, he would have been Gentile and so unclean. We get this funny term from Luke as he comments on him. says that he's God-fearing. So whilst he would have been sympathetic to God and the, the concept of the good news of the gospel... Importantly, he would have been deemed unclean by the Jews. And so they wouldn't have even been able to go to him. So what's happening? Cornelius has had his vision and sent two men for Peter. What happens next? It's like in a good movie where you get the two sides of the story being commentated on at the same time. Have a look down at verse 9. It's noon. Peter's time to pray. And he falls into a trance. Verse 11, he saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Now that is random for us. It is a random vision, isn't it? It's weird as we look at it. But you see, what would have been even more random, confusing even for Peter, is it would have been contradictory to the Levitical Laws that he would have kept avidly as a Jew. The reptiles. Why is it that he's getting this vision? This is where we see the second dimension to what's going on with the spread of this message. It's not just crossing geographical borders and boundaries, but it's crossing a racial one. See, to the Jews, Cornelius would have been deemed unclean. So it would have been forbidden for people to take the message to him. 
this message here about the animals is really opening Peter's eyes to his job. The message is consistent. Did you pick it as we read? Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. It seems as though at this moment there's no longer a distinction for where this gospel message goes between Jew and Gentile. Look at what happens, verse 16. It happens three times. God didn't want this loss in translation. It was new. So it was, it was difficult for Peter to grasp. But you see, Peter, he struggled. Look, look at verse 19. He still needed the prompting of the Spirit to say, don't hesitate to go with the men that have knocked at the door desperately asking for this gospel message. Now, look, in fairness to Peter, it, it would have been brand new. But you can see that this message from God need lo- need, needs lots of reinforcement. Now, for us, I don't think we think about race. We don't think, my friend's not going to listen to the gospel because they came from here. But we certainly negotiate for our friends. We don't say they won't receive this message because they're Jewish or they're not Jewish. We say, oh, my friend won't receive this message because he's got a good job. He's fairly happy. Oh, she's really busy with family commitments. Oh, he's not very academic. Oh, she's happy as she is. Oh, he's too miserable. She's just not the type. We might say any one of those things, negotiating for our friends. We negotiate for our friends when God's message is for everyone. We should be ready for the power of God's message to work in anyone's life. We were challenged by that last week as we looked at the transformation of Paul. That no one is beyond hope, even a 10 out of 10 of unlikeliness to respond to the gospel message. God's message is not bound by geography, it's for everywhere. God's message is not bound by race, it's for everyone. And God's message is not bound by human performance. See, just let's have a look at Peter for a minute. Let's look at what he does. We see the beginning of the move of the message into the the, uh, Gentiles. Peter, he has this vision and two voices explaining it. Three times. Even while he is having that vision to say that someone's going to knock at his door asking for the gospel, the people are sent to knock at his door. Even then, how about that for a brilliant opportunity? Even then, Peter isn't quite sure whether to go down to his door. He considers it twice and then he still needs the prompting of the Holy Spirit. You see, we can't exactly hold Peter up as a super evangelist here. I'm not trying to slate him, but it's not brilliant performance. And you see, the message, it's not held up. The spread of the message, it's not held up by Peter's human performance. Instead, God chooses to use him, and God opens the door for the message. How many times have you had someone at your own door asking desperately that they could have the gospel message and my guess is not very many times but maybe we just don't notice when people are desperate to hear it maybe just like Peter we're we're, our eyes aren't open to it now we shouldn't have a lack of confidence in ourselves but an increased confidence in the message maybe this is all sounding a bit hypothetical when it comes to us and what our role to play is. Let me try and flesh this out for a minute. On Tuesday, 
let's say I go for a walk with a friend. He's got a dog, and he walks it round Langford. So he can quite easily talk as we walk together. And casually, he says to me, uh, do you want to come and play football? Five aside, Sunday afternoon. Now, in my mind, straight away, I'm thinking, okay, church, Sunday afternoon, what do I say to this man as he walks his dog? Do I mention it? Do I just skip through it? No, okay, I go to church on Sunday afternoon. Sorry, I can't make it. I'm actually going to church on Sunday afternoon. And he says to me, all right, what's your church like? And straight away, I'm thinking, ah, uh, he, he doesn't want to know what my church is like. He's just being polite. I'm going to just skirt around it. It's good. Oh, we get a, a real good mix of people at church. I really look forward to going to church. I like to listen to what God has to say to us in the Bible. Have you ever read the Bible? I could say. Now, he might say, ah, a little bit when I was younger, but not now. I'd like to. Well, okay, maybe that's a bit like a Cornelius moment, someone really knocking for it. Those opportunities come out very rarely when someone is desperate, asks you to read the Bible. That's so rare. Maybe more likely he might say something like this. To be honest, I haven't really, not for a long time, looked at the Bible. And in my head I'm thinking, yeah, of course you haven't, because you're not interested, because it's weird to you. Straight away I'm thinking, ah, This message is not for you, just like Peter. But instead, I could just ask an open question and say, well, would you like to have a look at it with me? And he might just say, nah, it's not really my thing. And I could say, oh, okay, have you played five-a-side at the the new indoor place on Telford Road? He'd probably say, no, I haven't yet. Uh, Do you know what it's like? And I'd probably say, oh, yeah, actually, a few of my friends went there the other day It's brutal. Most of them came back with broken bones or swollen ligaments. Now, conversation just carries on as normal, but you see how all the way through that conversation, I'm I'm tempted to negotiate, try and fit whether or not this gospel message is for him, doing like Peter. See, this gospel message, it's not limited by human performance. We will make mistakes. We will pass up opportunities. But you see, two things I know for me have been a real barrier to my understanding as I have walks and chats like that. One, I so regularly, so quickly negotiate for my friend. Uh, He's just being polite. He doesn't actually want to know. There's no way he'll come. There's no way he'd consider coming to church. There's no way he wants to consider talking about the Bible. Like Peter. Surely this message isn't for Gentiles. And second... I forget that the power is in the message and not me. I say, you're not interested in coming to church because oh, I'm not that cool to you. I'm thinking, oh, you're not interested in me reading the Bible with you because I'm not very good at opening with the Bible with you. I'm not going to be very good. I'm not going to point you in the right direction. I'm, I'm scared. But I forget the power is in the message. Peter wasn't a powerful, brilliant, super evangelist. But he carried a powerful message. The hardest thing, the hardest, hardest thing is to get to speak of the heart of the gospel and ask a friend open questions. Not negotiating for them, but give them an opportunity to say yes or no and carry on the same. What could it look like this week 
to just get somewhere closer with someone that we deeply care about, someone that God has put us near, someone that maybe we've even negotiated for in the past. Ask a question towards the very heart of the gospel, an open question that they can happily say yes or no. Yes, I'd like to think about it. No, I'm not interested. What could it look like to do that this week? Isn't that an exciting thought? A room full of people going out to think about doing that with a friend, a family member, someone that we really care about this week? Some of us, I'm sure if we did this, we'd have friends that would go, nah, not interested. Some of us, I'm sure, would pass up brilliant opportunities because we're embarrassed. And yet, God in his saving nature will continue to use conversations just like that with people like me and you bumbling around to save lost people for eternity. And that's the thrill to join in Mission Unstoppable. The message is not bound by geography. It's for everywhere. It's made it 2,801 miles to Bista from Jerusalem, but it still needs to make it five yards to my next-door neighbour. The message is not bound by race. It's for everyone. It's for Jew and Gentile, underprivileged, overprivileged, uneducated, extra-educated, old, young. It's for my friend that I think is most likely to eat up the gospel out of my hand and the people I've already written off. I cannot negotiate for who's going to accept it. The message is not bound by human performance. The gospel, it didn't make it to me and you by a stream of super-Christians that were eloquent, wise, powerful and bold. No, it made it by people just like you and me who with their knees knocking together came before us and said, have you thought about Jesus? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that as we think about Mission Unstoppable, think about our part, that the power is not in us, but it's in the message. And thank you so much that you are a saving God that doesn't write people off like we do, but that you are in the business of saving lost people. Lord, please would you help us to lift our eyes to that truth this week, that we might see friends, family, neighbours, colleagues, and we might share this great, gospel message. Amen. Um, we're going to listen to Pete sing, Who, O Lord, Can Save Themselves, as we think about what it means that there's nothing we can do in and of ourselves to share, spread, accept this message, but it's God's work.